We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm good, man. How are you? We uh, last week we recorded the podcast on Wednesday. We just recorded Wednesdays at 11 a.m. And so we recorded last Wednesday after uh, the Democrats had uh, clearly won the Senate, which is a nice triumphant moment. But two hours before white supremacists literally stormed the Capitol, busted the windows, and held uh, Congress and the Senate hostage. So it was, <laughs> I remember emailing I don't really Daisy that sounds and being dramatic. like, I was like, I was like, I think this podcast might be a bit dated by the time it <laughs> They, being the professionals that they are, our friends at Stitcher noted in the description that this was recorded before the in- incidents of whatever, <laughs> which is instantly identifiable from within the first 30 seconds of the podcast because... You're like, what's going on? And I'm like, everything's pretty good. I'm excited yeah. to talk about sports with my friends Dom and Drew. I have not a other worry in the world. Yeah, I was like, feeling fine. <laughs> you know, pretty optimistic about things. So anyway, so by the time this is posted, the White House has probably been nuked or something like that. So it's going to be very... <laughs> It's going to be a very, very exciting interim period. I'm But the hockey season will probably go on as normal because much of that's in Canada. Whoa, hey, did you say hockey? I did. It Whoa. was an accident, though. I'd like to take it back. It's time for Old Time Hooky with our special guest, Lauren Tyson. Hi, Lauren. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey. Technically, you have to say Tim Hortons presents Lauren Tyson, <laughs> brought to you by Wilson Golden. Tim Hortons and Pizza Pizza and Labatt Lou. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren is our resident uh, Michigander and NHL expert. She's here to help us preview the NHL season, which could begin this week, except I'd just like to read uh, this tweet from uh, Capitals beat reporter Samantha Pell, who said NHL announces a total of 27 players with confirmed positive COVID-19 tests among nine different clubs during training camps. That includes 17 players on the Dallas Stars. So we're off to a rollicking start, Lauren. How are we doing? I, I have total blinders on about this. Like, even if you're, if you've been like reading the site, it was like yesterday I wrote about the national championship game and how much this college football season depressed me. And then today I just wrote my NHL preview and it's like, holy fuck, hockey, God damn it, Yes, let's do it. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I don't necessarily feel great about it, but I'm just like, I'm going to like kind of force myself to enjoy it. You have to oh. learn to like exist in that sort of bifurcated, like being completely filled with dread because that's like the practical thing to do every day. But then also like, yeah, if they're going to play hockey, you ought to get excited about hockey. What are you going to just... And I am really excited about I hockey. know. I know, buddy. <laughs> I was really worried. You seemed like legitimately pissed when I said I was going to come on here and talk about I was hockey. just having a laugh, just doing a bit. Uh, I mean, of course, I, I prefer talking to you about things other than hockey. We could talk about Michigan basketball, too. That would be yeah. great. It's yeah. true. 30, 30 point win against Wisconsin. Last we could night. talk about the scenic views of Mackinac Island. Huh? Yes. Huh? You pronounced it right. Who says no? America's fudge paradise. That's <laughs> apparently, I'm not saying that in a weird way. That's apparently like the big thing there. Is it is. That, yeah. That I mean, aside from the beauty of the nature once you get out of the tourist trap areas. But yeah, the fudge is big. Someone told me that they call tourists fudgies there. <laughs> yes. Which I think is great. <laughs> I've uh, back in the day, this is a long time ago. Uh, David Letterman had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on to do the top 10 list, and it was the top 10 list of things you won't hear in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And one of them was Man oh Man, do I love fudge? Which was great. <laughs> I, I loved hearing him say it. Good memory. I and, also, and a pretty good Schwarzenegger, to be honest. Well, because I, I stole the impression from my college friend Jay, who had it down perfectly whenever we were drunk and stoned. He was like, come on. Come on, man. Yeah, come on. Kill me. <laughs> yeah, you need to get, it's like a whole, uh, like a setting of, like a microclimate in your mouth 
and also in your brain in order to even attempt a Schwarzenegger imitation. I hardly I, uh, ever do it except for on long drives. I will bother my wife if there's an Old Navy or a Panera. Those are both really funny words to say in a Schwarzenegger voice. So I'll be like, there's a Panera over there. Wait, do you call it Panera? Yeah. What do you say? Panera? Panera? Panera. I don't, whatever, man. It's not important. I thought you were doing a bit. I am Wait. doing a bit. This whole thing's a bit. We're not, you think we're talking about hockey? I, I want to know, I want to know more about this. Do you guys also know. say Old Navy? Old yeah. Navy. Well, yeah, that's obvious, but Panera? <laughs> my, when we lived in New York, my wife, she had a friend who called Dwayne Reed, the, the drugstore, Duane Riade. Like, that's how she <laughs> thought it was pronounced. Wow. And so now we always pronounce it Duane Riade. And yeah. my wife herself thought Lehigh University was pronounced Laha. And nice. so now, as a joke, we always pronounce it "laha." But anyway, hockey, huh? Not, but yeah. we, what if we kept talking about mispronunciations for like an unfeasible, like long enough that we weren't able to talk about hockey? That would be fun too. I feel uh, can like. we can we talk about the arrangement of the league, uh, Lauren? Because I've I've read your uh, your preview this week. The league rearranged itself at least for this season, or at least part of the season, into entirely new divisions, including an all Canadian division. Yes, correct. Yes, there's essentially like four separate leagues that won't cross paths until the playoffs. You have the Canadian division, you have the teams out west, you have the teams in the central U.S., and you have the teams in the east. And it's all basically because the Canadian government like refused to allow that much uh, travel across the border. That's right, because it was like baseball season when the, the Blue Jays were not allowed to play in Toronto. Um, yeah, and the Raptors aren't either. They're down in Florida. Right, right. So I, I, that makes sense. But also, it seems to make sense. I know it'll all fall apart. But the NBA did not do as uh, as severe a sort of potting. I mean, pot is such a generous term there. Yeah, I think team. you're still talking about people going from you know like Michigan to Texas. And yes, back, or right. like yeah, even like Colorado to California. The NBA like is fully a, doing the, the small thing, the NFL thing, where it's just everybody's flying the exact same number of miles to just play in identical empty stadiums. Yeah. Well, the NBA thing is is a disaster because there's five times as many games. They're inside. Like when I see the fans in like Memphis and Utah, like I can't watch it. Like yeah, it's messed it, up. Like I can watch fans at a football stadium because it's outside. Even like even Jerry World, even though that's not really an outdoor stadium, they have like the I best ventilation in the world. Yeah, I can sort of do. I can sort of do that. But I I draw my like my conscience draws the line at indoor arenas and college football. Like I didn't watch the college football national championship game. On Monday night. So, uh, will they have fans in these stadiums, Lauren? Um, I think it is up to like I think Dallas is the front runner in terms of uh, wanting to wanting to have people in their arenas. Interesting, because it seems yes. like they're also leading in terms of a number of guys on the team that have the plague that's going around. Yeah, right. that's a real odd coincidence. Um, I think it's going to be like the NBA, where the norm will be uh, no fans in the arena, but you'll have like a few teams pushing for exceptions. Uh, will it be better? than the dual bubble uh, up in Canada uh, that happened this summer. Better how? Well, well, okay, it won't be safer. I know that. Will yeah. it make for a, will it make for better, will make for a better television product and will it make for better hockey on the ice? And I don't necessarily think those two things are tied to one another. I'm pretty convinced that it, the the, uh, the hockey in the regular season just will never be as good as the hockey in the playoffs. That's pretty uh, standard. I do. Well, that's every that's every time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is interesting about this is that with the the way teams are sort of divided into four pieces, uh, everyone's going to be playing each other like nine times, assuming the games happen, which is a a big assumption to make. But you'll have, you know, like the 
what I'm really interested in is like Brady Kachuk on the Senators will be going up against his brother Matthew on the Flames nine times uh, over the course of the season, and I want to see them fight at least once. So those are those are the the children of Keith. Yes, the Rowdy Kachuk. Wow. Cool. I was going to ask because I saw the name Kachuk like nine thousand times in the preview, and all I thought of was Keith Kachuk. Because yes, I mean like it would that. be wilder if Canada was. I mean, and it would Wait, be very Canadian nephews. too if they um, were like, oh, there's like a lot of Kachuks up here actually. Yeah, this kid's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so if they're all going to play each other nine times, uh, then they're going to fight all the time, right? That's what I hope. I hope it'll like spark some big rivalries. Is there is there, are there COVID uh, protocols in place for fights like before? Not they, that I know of. Before oh, they imagine. throw down gloves, like do they have to put on masks? And I didn't even think about that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, probably not. I'm sure they haven't uh, legislated that. Maybe they will at some point as a way to kind of. Blame the players. Throwing off your gloves and then offering your counterparty a gentlemanly squeeze of sanitizer on his hands before you start punching each other. That's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we already we're in the week where, where Kyrie went to a birthday or threw a birthday party when he was supposed to be, I don't know, having personal issues that were undisclosed. So we're already like the NBA's already into the NFL thing of being like, well, those those players were out with ladies of the night. That's why they're all getting COVID. So I I expect hockey to be doing the same thing. At yeah, the same time. I think so too. But I wanted to ask: Are players going to be mandated? This is such a stupid question. I should have done my homework. But are they going to be mandated to wear face shields on their helmets, or uh, can they have? I don't believe so. Shield? The big helmet change this year is the helmet advertisements, if anything. Right. Is, uh, <laughs> right. The yeah. fucking helmet ads. Oh. Again, the, I don't mean to keep. Uh, fucking this particular chicken, but when we're talking about metaphor collapse. When we're talking about how there are things that, like, everything is now strictly what it appears to be. The idea of not mandating any sort of face shield, but putting, like, a TD, you know, bank sticker on your helmet, that uh, would be an example of metaphor collapse. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty brutal, and it doesn't really signal the, the health of the league very well. I liked it. Uh, it was a tweet from the Pittsburgh Penguins on the 4th of January. It said, our friends at PPG will be the first ever... Helmet entitlement. Oh, all partner. the tweets about this have been so embarrassing. <laughs> like, so Nick Foligno of the Blue Jackets had to do a video where he's like, "We're excited to get back on the ice this season, but we're even more excited to partner with I don't know TCF Bank." I or whatever bet the they are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fun to play the sport you grew up playing for a living, but isn't it more fun to do it with like a freaking Chevrolet logo on your helmet, head? Yeah, helmet entitlement partner is just such an incredible 21st century euphemism it's a I guys just... guided by voices song title in a major way as well just that sort of three words that like faintly relate to each other and like what seems like maybe a satirical way but not quite you love it I, I mean i think we talked about this but like i'm i'm more or less inured to advertising on courts and like it's on nba jerseys now and i don't really give a crap of course soccer is like you know, there's ads tattooed across like Ronaldo's forehead. And yeah, shit they like look that. like NASCARs. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care about that. There was something about having it on the helmet that didn't sit right with me. Like if they put ads on NFL jerseys, I don't think I'd really give a shit. But if they put it on the helmet, like yeah, NFL pers- helmets are admittedly a lot different than NHL helmets. I'm curious to see how much I'm going to notice it in in game action. I, I mean, I think you'll get used to it after like a few games, but the first time you see it, you'll be like, <laughs> "It's true." Yeah. There are it, that's it, the noise it, I plan to make. It, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. But NHL helmets, right, right. they don't they don't have the iconic quality that NFL helmets do, but they could. 
Like, why? How come goalies get all the cool headwear? Like, why? They got to cover their face and everything. He, okay, okay. But can't why can't that? an NHL helmet instead of just saying CCH on it? Why can't? Why it, can't we do like paint jobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't I don't it, know. Talk to Batman about it. Well, is, you're the hockey person, so I need you to go talk to Batman for me. I was really oh, yeah. worried I'd be out of my depth during the NHL preview, but this is exactly. Oh what yeah, I, I haven't talked about like a go. single team except for the Kachucks. Drew being like, "What's well, you your favorite about? type of fries to watch hockey with?" <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, who is uh, who's the best team in the league uh, going into the season? Uh, so out of the West, I think you'd probably say the Colorado Avalanche, and out of the East, I think maybe the Boston Bruins. Yeah, it's kind of weird. The Bruins and the Lightning are both uh, still the front runners, even though they're both dealing with uh, injury issues. I'm so excited about the Golden Knights, though. Like, they're right up there in the West, and they're one of the rare expansion teams, maybe ever, that's like really aggressively spending on free agents and trying to get good, uh, like as soon as possible. Like, so they just were never bad because I remember the first yeah. year that they existed, they like went to the Stanley Cup Finals, right? Yeah, they yeah. lost to the Caps in the Finals. And then the next year, they had like a really, really fluky seven-game first-round exit, and then they went to the conference finals last year, and now they're again like really legit contenders. That's, That's a crazy thing that that could even happen. It's yeah, great. Like it it's just what happens just... when you spend money and make smart choices. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Rays did that when they started too. They just spent that money like just signing Greg Vaughn three straight times. <laughs> this is obviously a, a much better organization. Is that a uh, is that a damning indictment of the NHL, uh, Lauren? Is it like the Padres? Uh, I think the expansion draft was a really damning indictment of the NHL in terms of just how savvy they were in building like a solid foundation. Okay. Um, I think, and then I think that like early run gave them a lot of confidence to to go out and just do it. Um, I don't know, just like pretty much everything they've done has worked out for them, and the few things that haven't, um, like the flurry contract and the the Thomas Tatar thing. Um, both of those have been kind of papered over and they've been able to recover from it. So I think they're just like, I don't think they necessarily make the rest of the league look stupid. They just seem really smart. How is the expansion draft thing? Sorry to, I just am curious about this because I'm Mm -hmm. obviously thinking about uh, how this might work in sports that I care more about. Was it like that the teams protected cheaper players and left higher salaried, more valuable players out there, um, like daring them to take them? It's sort of like to go back to the Rays, it's sort of like what the Rays did with their bullpen where they just like were somehow really, really good at identifying the guys that mm-hmm. were um, overlooked by other teams like the Panthers and the Wild, I think were two teams in particular that got guys like stolen from them that they just didn't have a high opinion of whatsoever, but the Knights were able to take them and mold them into into really good games. Yeah, that's actually fun. Of all the like ways to sort of like worship front offices, like most of which I find really objectionable, that ability to like, I don't know, like pull pieces of uh, like rare antique furniture off the curb is like, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, who's the worst team in the league? It might still be the Red Wings. It pains me to say it. Mm. The Red Wings were like by a large, large, large margin, the worst team in the league last year. And like, they hopefully improve this year. It'd be really awful if they don't improve, but I don't know that they can even make up the gap between them and the senators. Uh, why do they suck? Cause they, they were the gold standard through the nineties. Yeah. And they just like, um, kind of, went for the present over the future, like every single opportunity they had um, into the into the 2010s. They were so focused on keeping that playoff streak alive, which I don't mind at all. Um, that plus just their continued success means they didn't get high draft picks. Um, they were just consistently like taking veterans over prospects. And obviously eventually that comes back to bite you. And now they're in full, like the process mode. Uh, 
They're worse oh. than the Ottawa Senators, the team. They're far, them. far, far worse than the Ottawa wow, Senators. Okay. That that's quite that's quite bad. I didn't know yeah. it was possible to be. They're far one of the worst teams in NHL history last year. Uh, who are they? The most hateable team in the league? The Red Wings. Yes. No, no. Um, who even is the most hateable? Uh, I guess the Bruins still. Um, as long as they have Marshan, they sort of qualify. Um, the Penguins, your mileage may vary on how much you want to still be up on Crosby and Malkin. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there is like a really clear villain offhand. There are teams that I find sort of like boring. Um, Who's boring? Like the, Arizona, Who's the, the Arizona Coyotes. They don't score goals. They don't give up goals. Uh, just like low scoring affairs out in the desert. Do they play the dreaded neutral zone trap? Uh, no, because they give up too many opportunities, I think, for that to count. But, uh, yeah, they're just not very good, but they have a good goalie. Uh, who is the most likable team in the NHL going into this? I think the Knights uh, covering that. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are still extremely likable. If you can get behind the whole, like, hockey and Carolina thing and the Hartford Whalers betrayal. Like, they have um, Andre Streshikov is maybe, like, my favorite young guy in the NHL right now. Uh, real sort of, like, like uh go-getter kind of a bulldog type but also like a really uh really good scorer uh so yeah the hurricanes and just like all the canadian teams the vancouver canucks i think i wrote about a couple days ago they were doing like their their mic'd up videos and it was just very adorable to watch them sort of bond on the ice all of their really talented youngsters that was uh, a really the real wholesome blog we we've, we've mixed some of those in there's been a lot of despair on the site lauren wrote i think one of the best of the many angry blogs that we ran uh in the days after the I don't know what you call it, the attempted putsch or whatever. But uh, then the wholesome one was just like you basically watching these videos and being like, look at these guys. They can't stop uh, busting on each other. And, it's like, so great, weird. yeah. Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, they're all they're all really adorable. Brock Nasser. We basically did like a blog-length version of the what's better than this guys being dudes video. Yeah, and it was, it that's exactly nice. it. It's, it's a really good time. This and like the sea shanty thing, there's, it's a really good time for guys being dudes, all things considered. Somehow, it's weird too because it's also like the collapse of uh, like a, an idea of civil society we all grew up with, but also like it's a, a real wholesome time. Yeah, it's a good time for bits. <laughs> uh, wh- what are the odds a Canadian team will finally win the uh, cup this year? Oh, God. Uh, I'm not going to say anything positive about the Toronto Maple Leafs because they're just so cursed and so uh, just so in the shit that uh, even if they look good again this year, um, yeah, I don't really think they can do it. Uh, the Calgary Flames would be another big um, team that looks sort of primed to take a step forward uh, and could be contenders. Uh, but no, I don't think a Canadian team wins the Cup this year. Uh, it has been since 1993 when I was in yeah, high school. hasn't been in my lifetime wow. since, that, the, since the Canadians. Yeah, you, you were born after 1993, is that correct? Yeah, I was born in 95. Oh my God. This is yeah. You got to know not to ask Lauren <laughs> no, about that. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm over that. Like, like. Well, it's really big every, of you, but I'm not. So don't like, ask her. <laughs> ever since like the advent of BuzzFeed, everything on the internet is like, you think you feel old? Here's when the sound of music came out. And it's like you know, it's wasn't all, it like yesterday? And it's like, shut up. It just. It's as, true. As, as if aging doesn't happen. Like, but it is. It's been a long ass time, and I'm, I'm silently rooting for a Canadian team to win. And I oddly would like it to be the Toronto Maple Leafs, even though I think most of the NHL fans hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I like the Leafs. I went to, like, one of the last, like, normal things I did was go to a Toronto Maple Leafs game. Yes. I loved it. Uh, and I, I root for the Canadian teams almost uniformly when they get into the playoffs. 
so I wouldn't mind. And the the Canadians, the Montreal team, are another team that could uh, could like make a big jump this year and be uh, sort of in the conversation, sort of if not full on contenders. So there's a lot of like likable teams that I would root for if they go on a run. But we're still going to end up with like Tampa versus Tampa anyway. So. Nice. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break and come back and maybe talk about some other things. Also, uh, Roth, I looked it up. It's Panera, not Panera. You and oh, my yeah, dad. Obviously. It's not, how is that important? I, I've and, moved on and I've, I yeah. suggest you moved on as well. I'm not owned. I'm not you got owned. so deep into hockey talk. <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll be right back. We're back, and uh, it's going to be easy for us to segue uh, into the fun bag from talking about the Capitol riot. So let's give that a shot right now, Rob. Yeah, I, uh, it's a bag of fun in its own as a news story. I think everyone, then the segue's right there. By the way, I, I wrote about this this week, but I don't like it being called an insurrection because insurrection is too cool of a word. Didn't yeah. really deserve that. I haven't really been able to settle on a word. You know? I know. I, I feel like it needs a formal title, and I don't quite know what. Like I keep referring to it as the Capitol riot because it was it was a riot and the people participating in the riot deserved to be tarred as rioters and looters uh, the way that, you know, the way that like BLM protesters are unfairly labeled that way. This time the label was apt. So I feel like like calling the, the looting or the rant or the sacking of the Capitol Although sacking almost implies success. Again, yeah, you're talking about that makes it sound cooler. Like, this is just a bunch of fucking, like, boat guys, like, rich boat guys who flew to D.C. to, like, uh, deface Eric Swalwell's office. They were, but, like, there were there were people, like, hunting for, like, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, yeah, and, like, well, that's what I mean, is that, like, I'm saying, like, this is not, but they're not Visigoths. They're, they're buttheads. But, yes, they were, there, assholes, to, they were yeah. there to... Do violence, and yep. I think a lot of them thought they would get to do it themselves. But I think the the Q people that were there to just like watch the military tribunals and summary executions that were just there for the show, I yeah. think it's honestly just as perverse to me. I actually I yeah. do believe because there were some people who were like, well, people were just going into the Capitol, and I just wandered in because people were doing it. I kind of believe there were like five guys who were just like. Oh yeah, okay. I guess we can go in. There were like, some people afterwards who claimed that they they thought they were like allowed in. That, I, like, I think because the way the police acted, they were sort of uh, right. you know escorting them in. And I believe that some of these people were really that fucking stupid. So and and that minimizes it, like calling them because a lot of them were stupid. But of course, it minimizes the danger. And the, you know, uh, AOC today was talking about how traumatic it was that she couldn't. You know, she couldn't trust some of her fellow lawmakers or police in the Capitol to protect her, and the police obviously failed. So obviously, it's this just awful, awful thing uh, that happened. So putting a name to it, like it's hard because, I mean, I you know I I don't write about politics anymore, like like as a as a mandate. I mean, I still can, but like to me, it's just this weird thing where I'm going to go way back, but it feels like it's all it's all a game to these people, and it's an evolution. Of humanity, where I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go even farther back, and this will be the part that gets like clipped, and like people will be like, "What the fuck is Drew talking about?" But like, uh, you know, I've lived in the age of guns uh, all over America, and guns, of course, uh, you know, back in the 1800s, were a survival tool. It was a tool you had. You know, if you were out living in the forest, you need you need to have a gun on you. You know, it helps to have a gun on you. You can. You can kill animals, you can eat them, you can protect yourself from people who are going to invade your tent or whatever. And at one point, humanity didn't really need survival tools anymore. 
humanity became comfortable. They dominated. They took over the planet. Uh, they live in relative comfort. Even people who are not comfortable now are comfortable relative to the rest of like nature. Like if you aren't, you know, if you if you're broke or whatever, you're still doing better than like a squirrel. You're not. You. you, you. So anyway, so all the survival tools that we had, like guns, became recreational tools. So guns in the U.S. are purchased almost exclusively for hobbies and recreation, but they are not framed that way. They are sold as vital survival items and things you need to keep all the, all the you know, all the black... Or status symbols. Yeah, yeah or status say, Or lifestyle, I mean, accoutrements. Right. That's like the, the way that the market works, right? That you start with something that has this use, and then in order to grow that market, you brand it differently and you push it for different sorts of things and, like... I mean, there's like, you know, you can't ever get somebody to like buy a gun because they're like, if you need to put nails into your wall, the only thing that works is the the part of the, you got to use the butt of the gun to hammer it right. in. Like we've already got tools for most of the things that people actually need to do. That's right. Right. And you don't even need a gun to kill animals anymore because there's animals at the supermarket. So all of, we have, all, we're flooded with all of these dangerous, lethal things and they're sold to us as survival tools, even though they're really just entertainment. So all the people storming into the Capitol, like, or I, I don't say all of them, but some of them were there as a form of perverse entertainment. Uh, meanwhile, you know, you have like real lawmakers who are fearing for their lives and, and running for their lives and, and staffers too. And people who are also trying not to die of COVID in the process. So there's this insane, you know, d- what happened on last Wednesday is to me, this sort of apex of, of mankind, not really understanding, um, you know, how you know how thoroughly unnecessary uh, its fears and its uh, and its anger is at itself. I'll go one better on that briefly, though, because there's a point that Lauren made that I want to touch on too um, in her story from last week. That to me, everything that you said sounds more or less correct to me. I don't know about the better than a squirrel thing. I think that's relative, but I think that you've got... Yeah, uh, I know. Like, the second I said it, I was like, eh, you know, if you're sleeping on a park bench, you're not doing all that great. <laughs> but I do think that, like, in the same way that we're talking about a thing that is, uh, like, effectively, like, vestigial to, like, a functioning society, but that has been, like, raised and raised and raised in importance. I think that, like, you look at the the rhetoric that was used, you know, Mo Brooks talking about, like, you know, your ancestors gave their blood and their lives for this. Like, are you going to let them take it away? Will you do the same? Like, to me, like, the actually, like, the stuff that looks like overtly insurrectionist language. Trump is too much of a mincing weirdo to actually say the shit straight, which is, like, I don't know that that indemnifies him or whatever, but him being like, we might not be clapping for some of them who might be very rude for us or whatever. Like, that is, like, how I don't know if it gets them away with anything, but in all of this, it's like that language is not new. Yeah, like it's Rush 40... Limbaugh was talking on the radio about like that, you know, about random Clinton era shit like that when I was a kid. It's just that at some point you can't keep saying that stuff. You can't keep re-emphasizing and underlining and raising the stakes on it, and not expect people to take you fucking seriously. That's the thing. We're we're listening to people who are unnecessary and who have viewpoints that are completely unnecessary to the continued uh, flourishing of mankind. Like, but it's also we, like they're, it's they're all outdated taking shit. It, they're taking this shit on faith that was never, I think, tendered in good faith. But this idea of being like, 
you're the real Americans. Like the Americans that matter, the Americans who count are like our small business owners, there are law enforcement officers, whatever, all the sort of like protected classes of the, you know, like not even really protected, but the most valorized classes. Yes, of course. And that like if you're a member of that and then your guy that you like loses an election because people that you've been told are not real or have been, you know, acculturated to believe are subhuman because they voted in greater numbers than you, then like this is the response that you'd get. Of course, it's going to be like violent and incoherent. Like this doesn't, to them, this like goes against God. The thing that I want to uh, talk to Lauren about or have Lauren, uh, I don't know, put you on the spot with it. Uh, so she wrote a piece that was, uh, forgive me if I'm getting the headline wrong. It's, I don't know what the answer is here, but it's not more cops. And I think of all the things that I've heard the rioters called, the only one that really gets my back up is terrorist. Because not like they weren't trying to do terroristic things it's just that term is so loaded and we already know how badly the state responds when that word's involved yeah that word has been used so like it's it's a word that it should honestly be retired because of the way it's used to sort of like be once you're sort of labeled a terrorist by the government it means you really no longer have rights and it doesn't really matter what happens to you and that's just a dark and tough road to go down um, but yeah, just in general, like, I think my, my fear that like the worst possible response to this would be just like giving more power to the people who, you know, the summer of 2020 taught us anything, like we should trust the, the absolute least. And you're kind of even seeing it with the, the Capitol police trying to like reckon with the fact that like a dozen of their members maybe, or more like sympathized or like actively aided or was like a part of, uh, that mob or group of rioters or whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just, uh, Yeah. It's hard to. Yeah. I don't really have much to say but about it. Yeah, because I'm like, like the response to it would be to like. I mean, the reason that the FBI doesn't spy on Americans in the way that like it, the CIA spies on people in foreign countries is that like it's against the fucking law. Like it came out that they used to do that. They did it to the Black Panthers and they did it to the Klan, but it was like they violated civil rights, and so in the 70s they changed the laws so they couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah I think that's what gets me about this is like the. Um, the powerlessness you're kind of feeling where like it's i don't think like using the using the might of the state to crush these uh these insurrectionists is necessarily the right way to go but i don't have like another solution like all like this stuff was set in motion like so long ago that like the fact that you really like can't seem to do much to change the way that these people think um or act even uh it's just very difficult to me. Yeah. By, by the way, one other term because that needs to be retired is small business owner. Because yes. now when people talk about small business owners. <laughs> hey, you're talking to a small business owner. Yeah, yeah. Right. We, we're small business owners. And even we don't really count because we're doing well. Like a small business owner is like a dude who runs like a taco truck. But like when politicians talk about small business owners, they're talking about like the guy who owns Cisco. Like, yeah, you know that's the that's the delight of it. But like, basically, it's just a way of saying like person who has money that they might give me, but in a way that's like flattering to them. Yeah, like what are we gonna do about small business owners like Jeffrey Lurie? Like, what are we gonna do for <laughs> what are we doing for for mothers and fathers like them? One that was they were trying out for a little while, which I absolutely loved. Uh, it seemed like um, they're pumping the brakes on it, but they were trying to do that kind of like. Uh, like people centered language about rich people. So like they would insist on being called people of means. Oh, I don't remember that. Like, I thought like you were going to say John of color. Like I'm like a person of stocks. <laughs> like, like the, fuck like the different, that? like the different strokes theme song. Like, is that yeah. what you say? Yeah, He's well, a man yes, of means. Like, that's different strokes. <laughs> yes. I, I say, them. did I not to say different the strokes? World. No, I'm just doing the lyrics. I can't oh, right, really right. 
you put some some bass in that though. That sounded good. Well, because yeah, because they 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 had people with bassy voices. Mm-hmm. It's true. Everybody knows this. But well, listen, Lauren does it because that, that show yeah, that was, no, that, was, no that was fifty <laughs> years before Lauren was born, so it doesn't count. Uh, let's get into the uh, the the poison chalice. This is from Lauren because I was gonna uh, I was gonna do a. You're tweet gonna use like from, kind of a typo. Uh, yeah, no, I, it was actually it was not the typo. I'll just do it now. It was from Deadline, and they they called uh, Desi Arnaz Desi Ricardo. But really, the poison to me was that Aaron Sorkin was directing uh, a movie oh. about being the Ricardos, <laughs> about uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, starring Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem, and Nicole Aaron Sorkin Kidman as Lucille Ball. And, and love I, it. And even though, like, even though I have grudging respect for Aaron Sorkin as a writer, like, The Social Network is a fantastic movie. As a director, like, if I saw Molly's Game, if you want a movie that looks like an episode of network television from <laughs> 1999, that's your director. Yeah. Like, a hundred percent. Anyway, I'm really so curious about how Aaron Sorkin's going to find a way to write a scene in Being the Ricardos where Desi, like, <laughs> lectures Lucy on the power of television. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Someone was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for, you know, within the five minutes, one of the male characters giving his entire resume on screen. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, so anyway, this is from Lauren, and this was something she found in the New York Daily News. It was an op-ed by Alan Dershowitz called the Sheldon Adelson I Know. Sheldon Adelson <laughs> died this week, the Vegas casino magnate. R.I.P. Uh, Boyle Yoda. We loved it, him. Alan Dershowitz, who lags only behind Rudy Giuliani in litigators just owning themselves to high hell over the past. I've like period. quintuple checked this article to make sure it wasn't published by the Post. It was it's yeah. so wild that it wasn't. It's insane to me that <laughs> so it wasn't. Someone pointed out that after she was arrested, that Dershowitz also wrote uh, a column called The Jelaine Maxwell That I Know. Yes. Well, oh, I thought people were photoshopping that. No, I think that he <laughs> might. Oh, well, it might be photoshopped. I don't know. Uh, Not positive. Dershowitz, like, out of the, like, Dershowitz is the guy who out of the blue will tweet, like, to be clear, I never, ever had sex with a five-year-old. No, it's real. He wrote yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Just automatically. So I'm not going to read anything from the... We've already drank enough poison already talking yeah. about it. Once so you we, get into the Dersh stuff, yeah. that's like... My parents were at a wedding once on a boat, and the boat ran out of power, and they just drank everything while they were waiting for a tow back to port. The other guests... And they told me that the last things was just they saw people just holding bottles of like dry vermouth, just drinking straight out of the bottle. And once you're down to the dirsch level of the poison chalice, like you are straight up drinking that vermouth. The other thing is, I saw you know I still I still think of him as uh, as Ron Silver in yeah. Reversal of Fortune, which is a fantastic movie, and like and made Dershowitz look like a really really smart person. He is no longer that person no. if he ever was. So I I think. Reversal of Fortune gave Alan Dershowitz far, far more credibility than he's ever deserved. And it's just painful, painful to watch him he's still He's giving it play. back. Hey, you want to play Derek Cancel, Lauren Tyson? Yeah, I want to give it a shot. All right, you ready? Uh, this might be someone who uh, who thrived before your time. You never know. That's, you have to, that's a good bet, actually. You have to Come tell on, me. They might, that's enough. You have to tell me whether they're dead or canceled. And your uh, clue this week Luciano Pavarotti. Is Pavarotti dead or canceled, Lauren? Oh, I think he's dead, but there is like a famous guy in his group. Um, Placido Domingo is canceled, but I think Pavarotti is dead. That is correct. Pavarotti is dead. He was also a tax cheat, but he's he's dead. Yes. I, yeah, I think it was Domingo 
Well, yeah, one of the three tenors was not happy about cancel culture or something like that. But, but no, I think it was worse than that. Oh God, I sh- I should double check this yeah. before I'm positive. But sued. I'm like pretty sure that there were like Me Too type things against him. Oh, so that's really um, that came up on Shuffle for me recently. I think it might be like the peak. yeah. Okay, he's got allegations of sexual harassment on Wikipedia. So oh sure. yeah. Oh yeah. Plus oh, okay. When you have the section, the whole section on Wikipedia dedicated to that, it's bad. That's how you know you've made it, though. Yeah. You have like a Wikipedia page, and it's got like uh, early life Tarantino one is allegations. The worst one of these. Like it's yes. like life, career, Uma Thurman's car accident, use of the N word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I don't know what like because my daughter is fourteen, and like she, she watches our rated movies now. Like she watched Zodiac without me knowing it, Ooh. and I was like, I was like, are you all right? Like you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I was like, okay. And I was like, well, maybe we could watch True Romance, but like, no, nope. the yeah, the Hopper walking scene, you're not gonna be able to show that to a kid in in 2020, and they're they're gonna be able to let that slide. They're gonna be like, yeah, watching just the most brutal fight scene between James Gandolfini and Patricia Arquette with your daughter, and being like, yeah, see, girls can do anything. Terrible. Don't do I, that. I would just like it noted that that scene uh, was cut. Like it, it's even more violent than the final cut because there was like an extended version on HBO where you see her gun Gandolfini down after like she stabs him with the glass shard and then she grabs a shotgun and blows him away but they they got rid of that which is a shame because you know it's what Gandolfini deserved in the movie in the movie in real life of course very generous uh, great gracious man great performance that movie is like maybe the the peak of like Tarantino, like just in terms of it being like a few really good scenes separated by like just a guy doing an Elvis imitation for no reason. Like it is like the the alpha and omega of like what is good about him and what is no. Indulgent. I can't. I can't. I can't agree with that. It's a flawless motion picture. It's the really? greatest motion picture of all time. All right. I'm not a hundred percent. I liked it fine, but whatever. What, has like, it aged well? No. It's a flawless motion. I think picture. what's good in it is Tony Scott. Is what. But that's like the stuff that I like the most is the Tony Scott stuff. But. Tony Scott is. Not uh, as revered as he ought to be. Yeah, he's a better director than his brother. That's there. right. I he said, said it. it. Lauren Tyson, Lauren, you want you the disagree? You can just slip that one. Out. You want the guy of the week, Lauren Tyson? Yeah, it's the guy of the week. Your guy of the week is bah, 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 Sean Marion. Oh, that's a dude. That's a dude. If I've ever heard yeah, of him. Do you do you find dude. him more dudish than guyish? Yeah, totally. The if you can dunk like he could, like you're automatically not a guy. So sometimes I worry that my age has made me. Um, you know, guys who are far too prominent in, or too recent in my end, like feel very dudish to me and like might be more guyish to the youngs. And so you know what? I'll give you a guy off that team. I really liked that Phoenix Suns team uh, back when I was a kid. Uh, Leandro Barbosa. Yeah, that was a guy. He was on Spurs too for a while, right? I think so. I, I believe he was on a lot of teams. The thing with Marion is that he spent a lot of his career as a guy. Like, he was a full-on dude for, like, eight seasons. And with Phoenix, he was, like, really one of the best all-around players in the league. But then he, like... Was had he that, really? Yeah. He had, I remember but he him as, had like, that, Steve Nash's backup. No, oh, Marion, I'm talking about, not Leandro. Oh, Marion, yeah. Yeah, the, but, then, okay. but, like, Marion then also, like, did spend a lot of his... He had that, like, sort of gracious end-of-career arc where you're, like, on a championship team as, like, their fourth best guy or whatever. And that's a you know good way to go out. Yeah, uh, not the uh, not the most aesthetically pleasing shot form. No, Sean Marion. But, uh, uh, time for the fun bag, and uh, we're gonna get right into it. This one's gonna be deep, Lauren Tyson. This one's from Ian. Mm. You ready? Uh huh. 
All right, Ian writes in, suppose the vaccine doesn't take uh, hold for whatever reason, Dave McKenna's listening closely, yep. and another bug comes along, and we're never able to attend live sporting events the way we used to. Would knowing you can't ever go to the game eventually kill off interest you have in any of the major sports? I can grip my teeth and get over it for a year or two, but after that, I don't know. I might end up doing other stuff. How long, Lauren, can you consume COVID-tainted sports and still want it? Oh, that's a tough question. I think if I think if this year has taught me anything, it's that I can get used to anything, yeah. which is sort of a depressing thought. But I think eventually... Like you'd basically be taking all of the human interaction out of sports. And I don't know. I assume in this world, like sports bars also don't exist. There's not like watch parties. There's not really yeah, much, yeah. like Let, getting together. Yeah. Let's say no sports bars either. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you can do that. Cause uh, yeah, sports as they are now are not like a particularly great entertainment product without the, without the crowds and with the players sort of clearly uh, kind of not really being all that into it. So no, eventually they would die out. I, I was strangely excited for the NBA season to start up again after the Lakers won, and then without without the without the Zoom fans and uh, and basically you know with with the players just sort of you know shuttling in and out like like we're at the point with COVID protocols already where you know you see NBA stars more as cameos than as a regular like a regular court appearances. I felt I got back into my sort of regular. A dismissing of the NBA regular season. I'm like, oh, I just remembered, like, oh yeah, I don't really give a fuck. Yeah, it's. I think yeah. that, like it's like your body clock is used to not caring about the NBA for like this period of time every yep. year. Like in January, you're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll get to it in March or whatever. And like, it doesn't matter that the season just started and that like you know whatever supposedly interesting things are happening. Like you're whatever. Like some part of your brain is switched on and now you're out of it. I don't know how long I'd be able to hang in there with it. I know for me, for sure with baseball last year, like I cared a lot less because I couldn't go to games and, oh. and like, I was surprised that, I mean, also the Mets were bad. Like, I'm not going to act like this was a, you know, hundred percent, uh, like enlightened. It was like, at some point it's like, if things are bad enough, you don't also need to watch Edwin Diaz give up a backbreaking home run. Like you could just <laughs> do something else. But there was like that element of like, being at games and being around other people and like even just like the shitty train rides to and from and stuff like it's so ingrained in me as like a part of it that the idea of just like I don't go to NFL games like hardly ever like I haven't been to an NBA game in a minute like I used to go all the time you know but like baseball games are the sort of thing where like if I can go I'll care about it and if I can't then you know it's just a, another TV show among many and I think it would be hard for me to stay as as into it. Uh, Lauren, you said earlier that like you know this year has proven that you can get used to a lot of things, and I have I've gotten used to like I'm I'm fully into this NFL season. Like I can yeah. say everything I want about Schefter being a chippy cheerleader dipshit about you know oh well no one died this week the games are on but like I'm still watching the games and like very very intensely yeah. interested in them even with like like there's enough fake crowd noise and stuff like that for me to not really worry all that much. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a new adjustment for every sport, I think. I yeah. sort of like had that early awkwardness and then kind of recalibrate it. Yeah. And I even though it it's easier with the NFL because I think of that as a fully TV product in the first place. That could sure. be. But the other thing is that, you know, you can look at as depressing that you have to get used to things being the way they are now or or you can look at it as um, 
you know, a triumph of perseverance, a, you know, a, a demonstration that you are built to adapt to difficulty and, and to get through it. Have Americans done a good job When it adapting? comes to sports specifically, though, it does feel like I'm just going to. I'm just going to eat the shit no matter, no matter how bad it is. Yeah, that's kind of it. I think I'm going to keep doing it. I don't, I don't know. Uh, why don't we do one last email? I think this one's relatively e- easy and it's stupid. So that's oh, the good. way we ought to end. That's where I okay. shine. Lauren, this is from Sean. Is Halloween considered part of the holidays? <laughs> no, but All Saints Day is. Wait, what's All Saints after. Day? <laughs> it's the day after Halloween. It <laughs> Sorry, is? my Catholic is showing. Um, Isn't that also like a boy band or something? All Saints was a girl band. <laughs> oh, yes. All, it was All Saints. I've never heard of these people. Yeah, yeah, they this were was British. Like, yeah, this is like 98 Degrees era like pop. Like, you can imagine it, Lauren. It's like some girls with yeah. like long straight hair. The like photo's kind of imitators? bluish for some reason. It looks like they're inside like the Tokamak. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, okay. not, uh, but yeah, and I don't remember what the songs were like. Yeah. I think the holidays say, begin the day after Halloween. I, I do happy I, holidays to someone on Halloween is fucking hilarious, <laughs> and I can't wait to do it this year. By the way, I don't agree with that at all. I think the I think the holidays begin uh, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bring October into. In, I mean, if you I, or go I don't want to bring early Mark calendar, like by when they start showing Christmas movies, then like the yeah. holidays begin in like the second week of October. Yeah, and when they start playing Christmas music on the radio, well, that's then it begins in April. Yeah. The thing that bugs me so much, and I'm just going to get this out here before we end, is that they'll play Christmas music on the radio in early November, but they won't do it on December 26th. Maybe that's a very specific gripe about 100.3 in Michigan, but uh, that actually, well, I, I think that's... that is specific because there are, there are uh, stations here where I live that will do it through New Year's. But okay, January where I came 2nd. from, they would like stop at midnight on Christmas, and it was stupid. That is I... messed, especially like these better songs for Christmas. You could keep that going through like that week before new year's at the very least people are still yeah. in that mindset i don't i don't know i like by the time december 20 by the time christmas day afternoon arrives i'm like i don't know this <laughs> shit burn this tree i don't I know. am enjoying the idea though of again it's of continuing to now i've decided that halloween is part of the holidays the idea of lauren making that identical complaint but with the monster mash is really doing it for me right now <laughs> <laughs> you do the monster mash all the way until Veterans yeah. Day. I was uh, like, and I think that's that's it. Like, you stop doing the monster mash at Thanksgiving, but you can do it uh, like between Halloween and Thanksgiving. It's fair game. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like Halloween, graveyard smash. Yeah, Halloween has one song. Thanksgiving has one song. And it's a joke song by Adam Sandler. New Year's <laughs> has New Year's has one song by Ella Fitzgerald that I can't stand. And Old Lang Syne. And Old Lang Syne, which is like. Whatever. And then New Year's Day only has, there's only New Year's Day by U2, which I think of, even though that's not a New Year's Day song. Yeah, that's like definitely a song. There's a lot about, of rock like, songs about New Year's. The Troubles or whatever. The Walkman and Death Cab both have them offhand. Yeah. Ooh. That's true. Well, that is good to know. And now we must close out this special holiday podcast by wishing you goodbye. And uh, I hope that we survive to next Wednesday, uh, in which we will uh, record. Another joyous podcast before something like before Joe Biden is kidnapped. Above yeah, the let's uh, let's hope for the best. Yeah, um, maybe maybe it's not the podcast that's causing bad things to happen and they just happen on their own. We'll know better next week. Yeah, we will. Daisy Nix is the producer. No, Oops. Brandon Nix <laughs> is the producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by the immortal Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. 
Just go to StitcherPremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com too. And go to DefectorStore.com too right now because there are new shirts up. I might Drew's be on, on one of them. Yeah, you He's might. too modest to mention it, but yeah, actually you, you were about to. But uh, no, yeah, go ahead. Tell I'm, them about it. I'm going to buy it. Well, I'm buying one for my mom. I cannot wear a shirt that has me on it. because Me that, either. <laughs> so. that, that crosses the douche threshold so clearly. And enough lines have been crossed already. Maybe we can work something out where I wear the Chef Drew t-shirt and you wear the Gross Gas t-shirt, and then we both are too embarrassed to remark about it. We could, we could do that. Hey, uh, Lauren Tyson, you are a fantastic guest. Will you come on again? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's music to my ears. All right, we'll see you guys. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Thanks, guys.